Welcome to the Life to the Fullest podcast by EF3. I'm your host, Dan Jason. At EF3, we're committed to sharing life with you as we journey on together. We believe in self-improvement, growth, and impacting the lives of others. Our four pillars are deeply rooted in the areas of education, faith, fitness, and finance, spreading love, positivity, and the good news while growing to become the best version of ourselves is what we strive for. We believe in obtaining greatness and desire to empower people as we work to share this platform to inspire those we encounter. Be sure to visit ef3life.com and follow us on social media at EF3Life. There's only one way to live, and that's life to the fullest. That's the sound of those cold, hard, steely bars and the prison gates coming to a slamming shut. Can you imagine being locked up, being sent behind bars, like a caged animal shut out from the world, despised by all, that is, thrown away, the key no longer there to freedom, done no longer valued, forgotten. That is what the world says to the incarcerated. Don't get me wrong, when people commit crimes, they deserve to pay the time and face the consequences. There are millions of prisoners who don't care. They are ill-willed and very bad people who've done heinous crimes against humanity. But what we must realize is that the human heart can change. That change I have seen firsthand and it is all due to the amazing grace and the mercy of God. Love has no bounds, and love cannot be chained. Today on the EF3 Life to the Fullest podcast, we're going to discuss the corporal works of mercy, specifically prison ministry. And I'm truly excited to share with you my experiences behind bars. No, I have not ever committed a crime that has led me to become incarcerated. However, I've gone behind the prison walls inside of those gates, and I've spent a lot of time with the men and women who are incarcerated. It is something that can truly change your life and your perspective on humanity when you can see God's mercy and love working within the hearts of people who desire and crave change. St. Paul understands imprisonment so well as he was bound with chains and locked up. He also knows the mercy of God and how the conversion of the heart can radically change one's life. Transformation from the enemy of the kingdom to then arguably the most prolific writer of the New Testament for evangelization. Can you imagine this? Can you just understand how people have the ability to change. We are discussing mercy, the corporal works of mercy, these taking place within the church. The seven works of the corporal works of mercy, according to the Catholic tradition, address the physical needs of the poor. These include feeding the hungry, visiting the imprisoned, burying the dead, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, giving shelter to travelers, and offering drink to the thirsty. 
very admirable works, things that truly carry out the love in the heart of Christ amidst those who are in the deepest and greatest of need. St. Paul spoke of this inseparable love of God in his letter to the Romans during a time where Christians were being persecuted, thrown into prison for their faith, and so often killed because they proclaimed Jesus Christ. Now, what you have to realize is that St. Paul himself was the one who was victimizing those who had faith. And he was the one who was trying to track down people who believed in Christ and to throw them away. And yet, God did not give up on him. Despite all the crimes, despite all the villainization, despite all the terrible atrocities that Paul did when he was Saul, he then has this dramatic conversion experience and then would become one of the greatest of all saints. And he spoke of that inseparable love of God in that letter to the Romans in verses 38 and 39 in chapter 8, where he says, For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even a prison wall and not even chains, shackles, steely bars, gates, shut out from the world. See, most people would never even think of going into a prison, and nearly all people besides the ones who worked there as COs got to prison by choice, by committing crimes against humanity. However, there are a some, a select few, who God has called to minister to the imprisoned and bring his love and mercy to the men and women behind bars. How it came about. See, in my own life, for me, I've always had a high regard for service. Like you, you might think of ways to give back to the community. Giving back was something that I desired, even at a young age, and doing volunteer efforts ran in my family. I had great examples growing up in parents who would give back and would do things with their time to help other people. However, as I grew older and began to conceptualize the divine power in the corporal works of mercy, as my faith matured and I started to read about these and see people who were doing things that seemed unimaginable to me, I understood that God can work in people's lives, including myself, and that conversion started to take place. He then would use his love and mercy to work on my heart and then set me up to be able to carry out that love to work on the hearts of others, to allow his love and grace to flow through me to those that I encounter. But see, that always wasn't the case, and my heart had to change first. And that would be something that took time. Instead of being this safe and easy road of volunteering that I usually and typically would walk throughout the course of my life, God certainly called me to a deeper water, far away from the shore. And it took a lot of trust.
But that didn't happen overnight. A small seed was planted way back during my freshman year at Lemoyne College, a small Jesuit school in Syracuse, New York. The Jesuits are known to do things a bit differently. They have a zeal about them. This vigor and drive to be uncommon among the members of the Society of Jesus comes from St. Ignatius of Loyola. And for those of you who don't know the story of Loyola, it's something worth mentioning. And you'll see how it relates to the corporal works of mercy and encountering the poor, encountering the imprisoned. See, St. Ignatius of Loyola had a great conversion experience as well. And what we're noticing here is a pattern, a pattern amongst people who are called to greatness and holiness in their life. This pattern of being lost, doing things that are wrong, having the exact opposite temperament, or walking down a road that is full of destruction and despair, of hurt, and then God shows up in a profound manner and is able to transform the heart and to turn someone's life completely around and to use it for the good. See, St. Ignatius of Loyola had a conversion experience that is truly amazing. He was in the army, a soldier, and he had been a gambler, a womanizer, and a fighter, someone who did not have much faith or even think about God at all. And then he would eventually become a saint. Well, that conversion experience didn't just happen overnight. What took place and transpired is he would be wounded in battle. And that wounding was actually a setup for some great healing. As much as it was physical, it was all the more spiritual in nature. As he was wounded, his leg was greatly severed and just completely obliterated because of a cannonball that hit him when he was in battle. He was fighting for his life in a hospital and then recovering in a castle when he was in the bed and he was probably wondering what his life was going to turn out to be, if he was going to live or he was going to die. What had taken place throughout his course of his life so far, there were only two books available for him to read. One of them was On the Life of Jesus Christ, and the other was called The Lives of the Saints. Amazing. So St. Ignatius, he read, and God changed his heart. See, Ignatius was jailed for his orthodoxy and his vigor. He was thrown behind bars, put in prison. The door slammed shut. He did not give up. He persevered. And he continued to pursue. And just as James 1.12 talks about perseverance during trial so we can receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him, St. Ignatius was on that road to conversion. And he became a great missionary for the church. My favorite quote by Ignatius of Loyola is, Go out and set this world on fire. That is powerful. There is nothing calm or easy about that. So how do we do it? How do we go about and set the world ablaze? Well, we go to the places where no one else is willing to go, and we do the things that no one else is willing to do. We have boldness and conviction, 
we have trust that God will show us the way. Because if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? See, it's all about blazing a trail for the kingdom. And that's what Ignatius did. That is a mentality that I now try my best to live day by day. And I encourage you to do so, to live life to the fullest in that sense. But see, for me, that wasn't always the case. And it took a lot of time for that seed to germinate in my heart. When a Jesuit priest years ago, when I was a mere freshman at Lemoyne, started to mentor me. And he mentioned for the first time in my life, discussing prison ministry. And that Jesuit priest said, someday you should think of going and you will be blown away. I could only but laugh to myself, how would I possibly be blown away by prison ministry? How could I gain anything from that? And so feeble-minded I was back in those days. But over a decade later, there was a volunteer fair at my church. And I went to see what other things were happening in my area that I might be able to get involved in. At the time, I had been avidly volunteering at the city mission, serving dinners numerous times per week, leading mission trips to Mexico City and other places where we served street kids and encounter the poor in the city dump, bringing the love of Jesus to those who cast, who were cast out by society. And yet my heart was not completely satisfied. There was more, but I did not know what was that. What was God calling me to? Where did he need me to go? And how did he need my heart to be changed? So as I walked past the tables, I saw a sign that said prison ministry. It hit me like a ton of bricks. That was exactly where God was asking me to go inside walls and behind the bars. Wow, that was an alarming awakening. The drive down to Green Correctional was exciting. My first time that I was set to step inside the prison was nerve-wracking at the same time. I was riding along with another volunteer, and many thoughts were racing through my head. But then I abruptly stopped. I looked out the window on the sunny day. And I said a short prayer, asking God to allow me to be open and to see his face in the prisoners. And that prayer would be something that would change my life. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back at it in a moment. This podcast is sponsored by EF3 Life. Go on to ef3life.com for great faith-filled resources like my bestseller, Fire Burning Within, Taking on Life with God Leading You Every Step of the Way. This book and many more are available online. Check us out on social media at EF3 Life as the foundation was built upon John 10.10. I came so that they might have life and have it to the full. Together we journey on and we can build a better world. There's only one way to live, and that's life to the fullest. Welcome back to the Life to the Fullest podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jason. 
Today we're talking about prison ministry, the corporal works of mercy. And before the break, I was starting to discuss my drive down to Green Correctional, the first day that I stepped inside the gates, inside those walls, behind the prison bars. That Friday was the first day of the REC. And REC stands for Residence Encounter Christ. The REC retreat was going to take place, and I was walking into that place for the first time. I had no idea what I was in for. I wondered what it was like inside of that far distant and cold world. What would happen? What was I going to experience? After going through numerous metal detectors, being searched and having everything on my person being put away in a safe spot, I walked inside. Boom, slam, the gate was shut. Except this time, I was the one behind bars. I was led to a large cafeteria-type room and could hear music and commotion. What was going on? What was I going to experience? Then, when I stepped inside, an applause, and I was being high-fived left and right. Prisoners were greeting me, clapping and singing, and were so excited. I wondered, why were they cheering? And why for me? Why for each volunteer as we arrived? Well, it was because hope had entered the prison gates and love can conquer everything. See, the barriers and walls that were up soon were broken down. I was sitting side by side with some of the most deadly criminals. That is what the world would say. That is what they would be called that people were nice the only thing that was really different was that they had to wear green to be identified. That jumpsuit was what set them apart and made them stand out to be identified, to be recognized as someone who was incarcerated. See, in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, the great prophet speaks to the people and says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They would be called oaks of greatness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I could not agree more with Isaiah the prophet. When you go into a prison, when you think about that situation and environment, he described it. It is filled, filled with brokenheartedness. It is absolutely littered with darkness. And there is so much vengeance and ill will. And yet amidst all of that, there are sprinkles of hope, pockets of joy, portions of peace, and love that's shared by going inside and showing up. 
An elderly gentleman was sitting at a table when I went inside after the greeting. And as I was smiling ear to ear, thinking to myself, this was nothing I had ever imagined or could have thought in a million years would take place when I entered a prison. There were no volunteers over there at that elderly man's table, so I went over and greeted him and the others. What transpired over the next four hours was something I could have never imagined in a million years. The story shared the authenticity, the vulnerability, the praise and worship, the admittance of the wrongdoing, the asking of forgiveness. This was what Wreck Residence Encounter Christ Weekend was all about. And that Friday was about death. Because death comes fast and hard for prisoners who die to the world who die to their families, who die to their loved ones, to their children, and to themselves being locked up and put behind bars. But by Sunday, those imprisoned men would no longer be in the grave, but just like Christ, they would conquer death through the resurrection. That glorious Sunday would come. However, that night when I was there, when I showed up, it was about the start of the transformation. The elderly man had been locked up for 25 years. Imagine that, a quarter of a century behind bars. He shared with me his past and then said something that left me speechless. It is something that I will never forget. It is seared into my memory, singed into my brain, and tattooed onto my heart. The man said to me, Dan, God saved me by bringing me to prison. I needed this, and it is by his grace that I am here. Otherwise, I would have hurt more people and would most likely be six feet under. He went on to say, sometimes God needs to use life to smack us around, to knock sense into us, and to wake us up. This man said, sometimes he uses a hammer, sometimes a sledgehammer, but for me, the Lord took out the jackhammer. I couldn't help but crack a smile. That came across my face, and soon we shared our favorite Bible verses and stories. See, it was in that moment that I felt God's presence in a really profound manner. The walls and the barriers had been broken down, and we were just two human beings, two children of God sitting side by side, talking, discussing, listening to one another having a heart-to-heart, -heart, engaging in prayer and reading scripture, and most of all, having an encounter of love. I then felt a tug to go up and share some words of encouragement with the prisoners because that elderly man said to me, Dad, you have to. And I was thinking to myself, what do you mean? I don't even know what to say. What am I going to say? to a group of 20 or 25 prisoners when I have no idea what it's like to be behind bars, to have committed such heinous crimes, to have this type of hurt in my heart. But actually, I kind of do know. Each of us knows. If you could think about or imagine your worst day on earth, the pain, the suffering, the torment, if you can think about, for just a brief moment, 
may be the time that you release proud to be a human being. That is probably what those men felt on that night. And for many nights, when they were sitting behind those bars wondering why had they allowed their life to get out of control? Why had they made those choices to put themselves in that situation and hurt so many people along the way? So when the elderly gentleman said to me, you must go up there and say something. But then he said, I will go up there with you and stand by you. He did just that. He stood by my side. See, that is what life is about. As Father Gregory Boyle, who ministered and mentored gangbangers and the toughest criminals on the streets of L.A., mentions in his prolific book, Tattoos on the Heart, he says, It is not enough to take a stance on an issue. No, Jesus calls us to stand with people in their issue. That is love. That is love indeed. We must go. We must show up. We must stand with people, no matter who they are, no matter what they have done, no matter what their situation looks like, no matter what their race, ethnicity, creed, religion, or any other difference might be. We are called to do one thing, and that is to love God and to love our neighbor. And what better way to do so than to go to the places where most people would never even think about entering. No, not all prisoners will have a change of heart or a conversion, but even if a few, or even if just one does, it is all worth it. But see, that's not for us to decide. God is asking us to go into his vineyard and to plant the seeds. And we go in there and we plant those seeds. He will be the one that causes the growth. And it can happen over time. See, with faith, with the size of a mustard seed, it will develop into the greatest of trees and provide shade for so many people. Well, what does that mean? It means that we must go into places to do things that will give hope and encouragement and inspiration to others so that way they can tap into the fire of their faith that's deep within their heart. Uncover it. Resurrect it. Live it out. Be changed. And then inspire others and pay it forward. What you don't realize is that when you go and show up in someone's life, your very presence can help encourage them. and then they can be recognized. They are loved and they are shown that they have value. The corporal works of mercy are about showing up. They're about encountering the poor, seeing Jesus in other people, and allowing God's love to flow between our hearts. Don't worry about what you are to say. God will give you the words. And even if you're silent, that doesn't matter. It's your very presence, being there with them in their situation, standing side by side, holding nothing back. The Lord is always present. His love will transform and conquer all, and he will certainly fill in the gaps. I will leave you with this as I think about prison ministry, as I long to go back into the prison once this 
COVID situation is under control. As I search for the ways that we can continue to bring hope to the downtrodden, to people who desire change and transformation in their life, who want to be listened to, heard out, and shown that they matter. At the end of our lives, we will all face death and we will all meet the Lord face to face. I pray for mercy and that I am not judged by the worst things that I have done or the days that I have led. Thanks to God's amazing grace, we are clothed with Christ and his infinite love and his holiness will shine through us because we accepted him into our hearts and believe in him. But I do not know that faith alone is enough. God calls us to action as well, to live out that faith. For without works, faith is dead. But when we do go into the places that he needs us to be, when we get out of our comfort zone and we are able to overcome our mind in this feeble manner that we have this conceptualization that we Don't have it figured out either, but that each of us needs his mercy and his grace, the outpouring of his love and the transformation of his Holy Spirit within our lives. We can shine like beacons of light and hope for those who are in the darkness. And thanks to God's amazing grace, being clothed with Christ, we too can be his daughters and sons that shine brightly in this world. The most powerful scripture that sums this all up and is the litmus test of our faith, the corporal works of mercy, and the love for God and others comes down to the words of Matthew's gospel in chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. Listen to the power in these words. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Reflect on this and ask yourself, where is God calling you today? How can you take a step and a leap into a new realm of faith? What corporal work of mercy can you complete to love as Jesus loved? Will you take the bold and beautiful approach of Saint Mother Teresa who said, If you judge people, you don't have time to love them. What power are in these words? What is even more is when it's lived out and they can truly 
change the world. This week, I'm challenging you as we pray to think of someone you know who's hurting. Pray for them and their transformation and change of heart. Pray for the change of heart for a prisoner and carry out a corporal work of mercy. You will be surprised that not only will you lead someone closer to Jesus, your heart will be changed and your faith will be stoked. I thank you for taking time to listen to the podcast and join us today. My hope is that you will understand that you're called to greatness. See, we weren't made for comfort. We were made to be saints. We don't have all the answers, but remember, God fills in the gaps. He will lead us down the road. He will show us the way. Will we just take his hand? And when he leads us to places we had never imagined going, let us be open-minded and understand that where love is, everything else will be taken care of. Because God is the one who will transform. He will be the one who shows up. And in doing so, when we encounter those who are in need, Christ will be the light that shines in the darkness. This podcast was brought to you by EF3. Make sure to visit ef3life.com to gain access to books, resources, and more episodes of the Life to the Fullest podcast to further grow in the areas of education, fitness, finance, and most importantly, your faith. Be sure to continue to follow EF3 on social media at EF3Life and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go out there and set the world ablaze. There's only one way to live, and that's life to the fullest.